welcome back to another awesome episode of the Petricor Project. I'm your host, Ben, and this is my co-host, Christopher Coons. Hello, everyone. Uh, ben is busting out the sultry tones this evening, it seems like. Can that really be considered sultry? I don't know. So what have you been up to, Christopher? I really hope with probably anybody else that's listening that that is not the voice Ben keeps using tonight. Mm. If it is, though, Could it be? he... <laughs> what have I been up to? So I have been planning my first ever D&D campaign. Really? I played D&D as a character, yes, but I've never... I've never been the dungeon master or the game master of a campaign, so I'm getting so, my first one of those So does that mean like you're, you're locked in a dungeon because you're the dungeon master? Like, do people come come, come with, like, chains and whips and you and put you on a torture device? And, oh, wait, wait, that's that shade of gray. <laughs> no, so a dungeon master in, game, in um, Dungeons & Dragons context is the person that runs the campaign essentially for the player characters ah, all right and uh what all does that entail that is a great question it can entail really as much or as little as you want it to uh, i like that you're you're getting some information for our listeners because ben also plays dungeons and dragons we are actually uh partaking in the same campaign together as player characters. Um, but so the dungeon master or the game master, the person that runs the campaign, they are either creating a world using the various Dungeons and Dragons books and rule manuals, or they are essentially refereeing a campaign that has already been written out um, and just helping guide the player characters through either an already established campaign or a completely new campaign using the rules and guidebooks uh, of the game, essentially. All right. Uh, so in my context, I am creating a brand new campaign uh, using the, the different rules and the guidebooks, the, the DM handbook, the player handbook, uh, and some of the different um, accessory guidebooks. And I'm doing a lot of it in a notebook with a pencil and my brain uh, and just coming up with stuff on the go. And I'm doing essentially all of that in a waterproof notebook so that when we get to game day, if anybody spills uh, drinks or food or what have you, uh, my notebook is not uh, destroyed in the process. You know, there's, there's probably an app for that. Uh, there is an app for that. I know myself, though, that if I am on my phone during the campaign for any for any more than like if I get a phone call or a text message or something I will get sucked in and so I would rather not have to use my phone um and would rather just have have my my notebook and my pencils and my guidebooks and stuff and not have to be using my phone any more than you know is necessary hate it when I get sucked into my phone like the the little android in there <laughs> just just opens his hand up and pulls me right in by the collar yep it's seen it's, it happen it's scary it's pretty it wild it's, it's hard to get back out let me tell you i gotta fight him <laughs> it's, it's brutal uh, but so planning planning that campaign is definitely something that i've been working on 
why, why on earth would you ever use a first off where do you get a waterproof notebook and second why would you not just use your your phone like how how can you really not separate phone from work on phone like um personally not not as well as i would like and so i just i like to use a pen or pencil and notebooks um i also i can I've drawn some maps and stuff for the campaign. So just speaking specifically about Dungeons and Dragons, way easier, at least as far as I'm concerned, to be able to draw maps and things on my in my notebook um, and take various you know notes and whatnot. And so to me, the it's just been easier using a notebook. Uh, where do I get waterproof notebooks? I have ordered them before from a company called Right in the Rain. They make really nice small flip top notebooks that I keep in my pocket frequently if I'm out for walks or just out doing much of anything. Um, I am using a bigger notebook though for the D&D campaign because the the little three by five ones that I have in my pocket while I'm out walking, I would go through a bunch of them and they're not, you know, they wouldn't be very great for um drawing maps and stuff in so i'm actually using a luke term 1917 which i think i think is a german company but they've been making notebooks for like 100 years um, and they just came out recently with like an outdoor waterproof version um they saw those at barnes and noble i got mine uh the one that i'm using for the campaign at a local store uh, but online and any like stationary shops and stuff they usually have them they actually sell the right in the rain ones uh the little three by five flip top ones they sell those at lowe's which kind of makes sense because like if you're a contractor or something or you do you know landscaping or just anything outside if it gets muddy or your hands are dirty or whatever like that kind of makes sense to be able to have a waterproof notebook at least to me i still feel like you could use your phone if you can be clean enough to hold a pencil like it's gonna be okay. the same way. Like I don't. Oh, we're allowed. I don't to... know why you track your workouts on a notepad either. Like, it's... yes, I do. Mm-hmm. I I I use typically a waterproof notebook so that if I'm sweaty or spill my water or sometimes I drink coffee while I work out, and that way my notebook is protected. Yeah, well, yeah your freaking notebooks protected. How about when you spot people when you drip sweat in their mouth? What about then? One time I spotted you for a bench yeah. press and uh-huh. ripped sweat. See, that that's that's though why when I was actually coaching and I had the gym, I never worked out before I was coaching so that I was not sweaty because that's a bad look. You and I were working out together. And somehow that makes it not bad. <laughs> no no, it's still it's still bad, but different never different. never so how never, do you how do you track your workouts have i asked you to spot me ever again like a normal person with your on phone? My phone yeah okay do you use an app do you use excel do you use a note tab how, what do you the, use the excel phone? version of a mobile like the mobile version of excel is how you would say that is uh poor so no i i don't okay. use that um if anything like that, I would use Google Sheets. I don't use Google Sheets. Okay. I use is this a regular notebook application? Um, and I just okay. store it in there. And then, like, it depends on if I'm really training or if I'm sort of just meh training. 
how much detail I'll put into it and then whether or not I will from there put it into a more sophisticated application um, and track a whole lot more. Um, but yeah, I, I record it on my phone. Okay, so what does tracking more or less mean to you? So if you're not specifically training for a competition or training for some performance goal, what are you like? What might the notes that you're keeping for a workout look like? Uh, so if you're not training for something specific, so it might say something like, uh, let's squat 375 by 20 by seven at four. I, I wish, I wish that I had that on my workout, but you know, what, what would those mean? So 370, so squat. So the exercise, then the weight okay. that it's at. So 375 would be the weight by the amount of reps that I'm doing per set, by the amount of sets, by the RPE. And then like, okay. that's if I'm not training for it. Like if I'm just doing GPP, so general preparedness programming, like I'm just in the gym, I'm still doing stuff, but I'm not really training for anything. Once I start to go a little bit into training the first couple weeks or whatever, I'll switch that from being, you know, weight by reps by sets by, uh, uh, sorry, yeah, by RPE to uh, weight by reps by RPE by sets. So what that essentially means is I'll track the RPE of each set instead of saying an RPE overall of the sets. Okay. So you, uh, so you are not, that was good clarification. You are not writing this down at the beginning of the workout as your guide after you would have. So in this scenario, you put three, you warmed up, you put 375 on the bar, you did seven sets of 20 reps and you felt like overall that was an rp yeah okay so that was not written before you did the workout to then guide you that was written afterwards now if you were actually training for a competition or for to increase your one rep max on the squat or something you how does that change now so every so first off i'll, I'll use I personally use Excel because I'm an Excel wizard. Um, that's that's pretty much my title. I just FYI for those of you who don't know. Um, so I'll have lots of metrics on it. Uh, I'll be tracking my auto regulation. I'll be tracking uh, a lot of stuff that is more complex than I like to do on a notepad. Um, a lot of trends of where my weight is. Uh, and not just not my body weight, but like the actual weight that I'm putting on the bar, um, to and how my performance is and is currently and has been for the past X amount of time and where it is in a mesocycle and a microcycle, um, sometimes as well as a larger macrocycle, but not usually, um, and then figure out where I need to be for that day, the week before, or depending on where I am in a training cycle, maybe the day before, um, have it spit out what weights I need to be doing in, in uh, accordance with the plan that I have uh, ongoing for that uh, mesocycle. 
So instead of basically what that boils down to is instead of having to go in, look at last week's stuff, say, okay, I did, you know, 375 by five by five, you know, I, and that was at a seven. Uh, and this week I'll go in and do 380 at five by five at a seven. Um, I will have that planned out exactly for each set, for each RPE of each set, um, and for the intensity of those sets uh, before I get into the gym. So that for the week, and maybe for that day specifically, depending on where I am in the training cycle, I know exactly what I need to be doing, what numbers I will be hitting, and at what RPE I need to hit them. Um, that can go sideways pretty quickly if you're trying to hit an exact number and you're, you know, maybe you're not getting enough sleep or not eating, or maybe it's an off day or something like that. Um, and in that case you can adjust on the fly. Um, but that's a little bit outside of the scope of what we're talking about. I think did that answer your question, Ben, before, so you did answer my question. And before we go further on your, your training log, you, said a couple of terms that I'm going to define for our listeners who may not know what they are. So you talked about a mesocycle, a microcycle, and a macrocycle. Uh, just some real simple terminology uh, definitions there. A microcycle is your smallest unit of keeping track of your training. So that could be like the day that you're in the gym. Your mesocycle could be the, is a larger block of training. So that could be the week that you're going to be in the gym and the macro cycle might be the actual 12 weeks leading up to a competition or leading up to trying for a new one rep max. Uh, so that's your micro cycle, your meso cycle and your macro cycle. I mean, realistically, uh, a macro cycle would encompass more of a span of like a year of, so like maybe four meso cycles, so four 12 week blocks. And then a microcycle would be maybe a week in those blocks. Like that's more of it because, right? Because there's periodization that goes on. Um, and by that, for people who are listening, I mean like there's, there's you, you hit a high and then you hit a low and then you hit a high and then you hit a low. Um, hopefully that progress goes linearly up in that periodization cycle. But uh, saying that a day is a microcycle, it's like, yeah, I mean, you can count each workout as a microcycle, but they're really like a micro-microcycle. And, you know, you don't really have a, a here's here I'm, I'm up and now I'm strong and here I'm really weak and tired. And then, like, I rest and get back to baseline, right? So microcycles are more like a week of training than they are like a day. Perfect. Yes, I, I like the pushback there. Now, it gets interesting when you're first starting out because your microcycle can actually be one day because you're so untrained that you get the up and down benefits in one day. And between your training day this on Monday and your training day on Wednesday, you have gone through an entire microcycle so that you have gone, you've peaked, you've fatigued, and now you're back to baseline. Which is kind of cool, but special case. Yes, and then you, you also mentioned RPE, and we have talked a little bit about RPE, RPE in previous episodes, but for anybody who maybe this is their first ever episode of the Petrocore Project, RPE 
stands for rating of perceived exertion. And that is, again, the simple definition is how difficult the specific set or the exercise was. Um, again, uh, then the way that you described it, if you're doing, if you're not really training for something specifically, then you are putting the RP for the exercise after all of the sets that you completed. If you are training for something specifically, you're logging the individual RP for each one of those yeah, sets. at a scale of zero to 10. Yes, zero being as easy as possible, 10 being essentially as difficult as possible. Uh, a, a decent way to think about it, it's, it's not a perfect representation, but if something, if you did a, a set of five, out of 10, you feel like you absolutely could not have done a sixth one and the fifth one you just barely were able to finish. Mm -hmm. And a zero feels, if you did a set of five and a zero, you could have done many, 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 many more. If, if you did a five, if you did any number of exercise at an RP of zero, uh, <laughs> you did nothing. You, you yeah. like, like you blinked. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. And for, for, you know, ev everybody, their, their zero is very, very different. Uh, same with their 10. Um, but so those were just some of the terms that you used. Now, whenever you're tracking your workouts, whether you are training for something specifically, or so you're using some kind of note, you know, note taking app on your phone. If you're more, if you're caring more about the current training cycle that you're in, you are then moving that information from your notepad uh, into an Excel spreadsheet with some more detailed information. Are you, you kind of just talked about regular reps and sets. So, you know, doing a five by five of back squats or of overhead presses. Are you changing how you're logging anything? If you're doing something like a superset or a drop set or back off sets, or how do you, take care of that in your logging yeah so what we were describing or what i was describing in in the example there was what we call a straight set um where you're just doing you know if it were a five by five at uh 375 so five reps at by five sets at 375 pounds that'd be a straight set um because every every set you'd be doing would be at the same weight and for the same reps um, so if you varied that and you went like 375 and then 385 and then 385 and then 395 and then 375, that would be different than a straight set, right? Um, so if I'm doing real training, I will log, uh, I will have in advance what sets I need to hit at what reps and what RPE so that I don't have to think like, oh, I got to do my reps or I got to do like a back off set here or I got to do something like that at any point in my training. Like it's already just laid out for me what I need to do. However, if I'm doing something like my reps, which I'll explain here in a little bit, um, that's hard to plan for because it's like an AMRAP. It's close to an AMRAP set, which I, again, I'll have to explain. Um, and anyway, so I think it might be useful to go through a couple couple of these things let people know they are so i'm just talking about drop sets so i'm gonna do a set of an exercise and then drop the amount that's on there okay so i'm doing 400 pounds uh, i did uh, a five by five at 400 pounds or let's say i did 
I don't even have to do four by uh, five by five. Let's say I did one set at 400 pounds. Let's say the next set I have planned is 350 pounds. That'd be a drop set. So back offsets are going to be where you're doing the same uh, lift with a lighter load. So you're going to be doing, again, same exercise. You're going to be doing it with a lighter load. But the point of a back offset is to get your technique and stuff after you get your, your volume at the high intensity. Um, and then being able to do your working sets down lower. Um, and maybe you overreached a little bit on your uh, top set. So the first one that you did and you need to do a little bit of back off. Um, that's a back off set. Um, my reps, which I talked about a little bit, are you're going to... So my reps are a little bit different than those other two that I talked about. So they're going to be when you get to... You're going to do your warm-up sets. Then you're going to do what we we're going to call an activation set where you're going to go pretty high reps at whatever weight you're doing it for. Let's say in this example, I'm going to use a hundred pounds. So maybe I'll do 25 reps at a hundred pounds on a bench press. Um, that would be my activation set. And you know, that's going to make me pretty tired. Right. Um, and that's sort of the point of my reps. And then, you know, maybe 30 seconds later, I do as many reps as I can there on that, that next set. And then I do as many reps as I can on that next set and then complete that for however many Maya rep sets that I'm doing. Um, and so typically what Maya reps are going to be used for are when you need to get in uh, either a lot of volume for a particular muscle group quickly, or you need to back off from where from the working weight that you've been typically doing. So maybe I've been doing, instead of 100, maybe I've been doing 250 pounds for five reps instead of 100 pounds for 25 reps, right? So I've been working in the 250-pound zone, and, you know, maybe that's taking a bit of fatigue on my body, and uh, maybe my elbow hurts when I'm doing uh, heavy weight up there right now. So maybe I want to get my elbow not to hurt as much, and I need to back off. <clears throat> so maybe I still want to get that volume in, but if I do super lightweight, you know, that's not going to give me any, any stimulus because I'm, I'm so far above 100 pounds, right? So maybe you want to try my rep for something like that. Uh, <clears throat> it may just be that, you know, it might not have anything to do with injury. That was just a, a, probably a bad example. Um, but uh, it's more fatigue than it is injury. So maybe I've been feeling uh, more run down than typically. Uh, that would be a, a good case to use uh, Maya reps. <clears throat> so another one of these special sets um, is going to be what, what we call a superset. So supersets are going to be when you're doing one exercise and then immediately after you do another exercise. So if I'm doing a set of squats, maybe I did a five by five or a, not a five by five. Let's say I did one set of a squat and then I'll jump over to an overhead press and I'll do one set of an overhead press and then I'll take a break and then I'll do my squat and then my overhead press and then I'll take a break and I'll repeat that. So that's a super set. Um, realistically, as far as I'm concerned, the only reason to do a super set is if you're pressed for time, you're not going to get any more stimulus from doing that unless you're trying for cardiovascular benefits from weightlifting, which, you know, there are 
definitely cardiovascular benefits from it, but you're unless you're crunched for time, there's you're you're better off just training for one and then training for the other. And if you're trying to get maximal muscle growth stimulus in either your squat or your overhead press, and you uh, immediately went from one to the other, you're—I uh, I don't know if we're going to get too technical into this—but your your adenosine triphosphate levels are going to be zapped after you do the first couple the first couple reps of your squat, and then for your overhead press, you're not going to have them. Um, and so what, during you, you were. I will simplify simplify that for the listeners. You're going to be weaker on the second exercise, uh, going from one immediately into the second exercise than if you were doing all of your sets of squats with your regular break intervals in between each set, followed by all of your sets of overhead presses with your regular intervals of breaks. Correct. That's essentially what that means. Um, so anyway, like I said, supersets... If you're if you're trying to crunch for time, otherwise they're not super useful, <clears throat> which is ironic because they're supersets. <laughs> uh, then you can have things like uh, compound sets. So that would involve pretty much a superset, but it's the same muscle group that you're targeting for the exercise that you did during the first set. So maybe instead of doing a squat and then an overhead press, I do a squat and then a leg press. Or I do a squat and then a hamstring glute developer, right? So those are going to target the same sort of muscles that are involved in the first exercise. And they're going to be back to back. So maybe I do one set of squats, one set of leg press, and then I take a break. Those are a little bit uh, worse than the supersets to do uh, in terms of both muscle growth and suckiness. Because you're going to be, and by suckiness, I mean it sucks for you to do. <clears throat> because you're going to be using the same muscle group for each of those, and it's already going to be pre-fatigued, as well as you're going to be pre-fatigued for that second exercise. However, um, it is, again, a good training tool for people who are crunched for time. And if you're really trying to hammer out uh, a muscle group that doesn't want to grow, Maybe you have trouble with your legs and you've tried everything except for super high volume. Well, maybe you can get super high volume this way, right? And you don't have to be in the gym for four hours to do it. You know, that's when a compound set becomes a good training tool. So we also have things called rest pause sets, which are uh, for those people who don't like to use that phrase, AMREP sets. And I'm saying AMREP sets, so A-M-R-A-P, as many reps as possible uh, sets, which is exactly what it sounds like. Uh, You go to do as many reps as you possibly can, and then typically you have a short rest period, then you do as many reps as you possibly can, you repeat that period, and then do as many reps as you possibly can. They are different from Meyer reps in that uh, on the Meyer reps you have that activation set, and then you do that drop. Uh, with AMRAP sets, you typically have a longer rest period and you're doing them for as many reps as you can possibly do for all the reps, uh, for all the sets that you have. Um, so they're very similar. Uh, the reason you'd want to do an AMRAP set, again, is just for straight volume. Uh, or if you're, no, 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 pretty much just for straight volume is why you do an AMRAP set. 
I don't suggest doing AMRAP sets with high weight. Um, and if you're you're going for a, a one of your main days of training, so maybe you have a five day split and three of those are your main days, I would suggest if you're going to do an AMRAP set to do it on two the one of your uh, one of the other days that you have. So maybe you have a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Um, maybe you do Monday, Wednesday, and Friday as your main exercises, and then you do accessory exercises on Tuesday and Thursday. I would put that there. AMRAP is also going to be good for uh, muscle groups that don't want to grow the same way as compound sets are going to be good for them. So if you're having trouble with a particular muscle group, again, this is going to be one of those sets that's going to actually uh, aid you in that growth just because of the amount of, of work that you're going to be doing on it. Uh, there's also... Uh, marathon sets, which are also called giant sets because they encompass a whole lot. So we went from, uh, supersets to compound sets. The next progression is a giant set, which essentially means you go through one thing of your workout and then repeat your workout after you take a break. So let's say I want to do a leg press, a, uh, so let's say I wanted to do a squat then a leg press, then an overhead press, then a bench press, then a deadlift, then a glute hamstring developer, right? So I do... That's that's a pretty intense workout. Right. Um, <laughs> that, that would be nuts. But hey, you know, people yeah. are... <laughs> Let's say I wanted to do those. Um, and, you know, I wanted to do it in a giant set because maybe I was crunched for time. So I would go ahead and I'd do, this, I'd do each of those exercises back to back without a break go through all of them, then take my, I, I honestly, dear God, would like die at the end of that. So I would say like a, a three-day break, but you know, um, I'd take my five minutes of break and then I'd repeat. And then I'd take my five minutes of break. So for a giant set, j just for the, the, the listeners, because you went through that a little bit quickly, you would do one set of each of those exercises yep. one time through non-stop essentially moving as quickly as you could from exercise to exercise, then take your long rest period and then repeat yeah. that for as many time, as many sets as you were going to do for those exercises. Yeah, which would be just the worst thing to do to yourself. If that was your workout. Yes. <laughs> I, I don't suggest doing that at any point unless you are for whatever reason, unable or unwilling to do a different cardiovascular activity than lifting yep. weights. Um, because that's really the, the only good benefit you're going to get out of this is you're going to get a large cardiovascular benefit if you don't end up on the floor panting to death. Well, excellent, Ben. So you covered a lot of different ways uh, that you could change up your training routines, a lot of different training modalities to mix into your workouts. Uh, one thing that was maybe a little bit confusing to listeners was the way that you described them, a drop set and a back off set sound pretty similar. And so again, just to uh, a real simple way of clarifying them a little bit, typically a drop set is done immediately after your heavier set, essentially as quickly as you can get the weight uh, off the bar or change the amount of weight on the machine, you're going right into that drop set uh, and then possibly reducing the weight again and doing the next set. So you're going to do, you know, you're going to get more and more fatigued, whereas back off sets are usually more planned 
within your training program and they are reducing the weight after your top set or top sets, um, reducing that weight, but taking your regular rest intervals so that you can continue getting volume in whatever that exercise is. Uh, so drop set versus a back, back offset. Back offsets are usually a little bit more planned. Uh, we went through myo reps. You went through AMRAP, as many reps as possible. Uh, we talked about supersets and um, compound sets and then giant sets. We didn't talk about pyramid sets. You like doing pyramid sets. Um, I, I do pyramid sets from time to time. Right, well, that's more than I do with them. So, you know, go ahead and explain what pyramid sets are to people. It is basically going from, it's taking an exercise and going from a lighter weight to a heavier weight um, quickly is how I guess I would describe my, my way at least of doing pyramid sets. Um. Anything that you want to add to that? What do you mean going from a lighter weight to a heavier weight quickly? So if I was to do uh, an exercise with 50 pounds for many reps, then I'm going to do my next set at 75 pounds and I'm going to be able to do less reps because now I'm fatigued from the first set plus I have added weight to the bar or the machine and then maybe my third set is going to be 100 pounds for even less reps than the last set. So again, it is increasing the weight and decreasing the reps each set. And again, a lot of these training techniques are, or training modalities to incorporate in your workouts are a good way to get more training in if you're crunched for time. Um, uh, the pyramid set is just a way of not doing the same rep scheme throughout the entire workout as you go heavier. Uh, that is, again, the primary, I think, reason for using them. And so you're getting a little bit of different, um, a little bit of different muscle activation from the, the different rep schemes that you're doing as you move up the weight ladder. Yeah, I mean, if you get um, bored with your programming, you know, that's something you might want to incorporate. Yeah, and I, I think that that's another good point for all of this. Um, you can get great results from just doing straight sets pretty much all the time when you're when you're working out. Uh, if you feel like your training is getting a little stale and or if you are crunched for time this Tuesday because you need to get your kids to soccer practice or because work ran late but you, you still want to get your workout in, which is awesome. Uh, you could do a superset or a giant set or a pyramid set. And these are some great ways to still get a workout in that is maybe not the exact workout you were hoping for, but is way better than skipping the workout entirely. Right. And, you know, that that's a good technique to utilize whenever you're in that particular situation. What I would rather people utilize it for is again, you know, let's say you're training five days a week and Monday, Wednesday, Friday, your main days. Maybe you're not one to get in a whole lot of cardio outside of the gym. Maybe you have time constraints because of the amount of time that you're training in the gym. Um, so that you, you don't have a lot of time for cardio outside of the gym. And maybe you don't want to do the 25 minute run at the end of your workout because that'll take another, I don't know, 10 minutes. 
say 25 minute run it'll take 10 minutes yes yes you did i was just gonna let you go with it but you you got it yeah because you're a god now and and 25 minutes (laughs) is like that to you so uh good on you for elevating yourself in the gym to that point um for those normal people who are gonna run 25 minutes in 25 minutes (laughs) um you might want to incorporate those uh sets that chris just mentioned uh for the particular reason of getting in a cardiovascular workout while you're getting in volume for your non-essential training days and by non-essential i mean not the main movements not the main components of your workout they are essential in that you need that volume to drive growth but they're not essential in this particular context for the reason i just stated um and ben go ahead sorry for cutting you off ben i uh, didn't know I, I thought that you were finished I'm never there. finished um Ben has said several times while describing some of these different uh, training modalities that they can be used uh, as a good way to get some cardio while you're lifting weights. And the reason why they can be good for, for getting cardio while you're lifting weights, typically if you're, if you're training heavy, if you're training heavy for you, whatever that means, you know, to you and doing straight sets, you're taking three to five minute rests in between your top sets or your heaviest sets. So your heart rate might get fairly high for 10 to 20 seconds while you're doing your actual set. And then you're literally sitting on, you know, the bench sitting on, you know, standing around for three to five minutes before your next set with these different ways of training, a pyramid set, a drop, a drop set, uh, supersets, giant sets, you Correct. All of these different ways of training, why they are so good for cardio is your heart rate gets up in that first set of the first exercise and you're taking much shorter rest periods. And then they stay there and then they stay. (laughs) Yes. So so your your heart rate is getting up and they stay there for the overhead press. Yep. Uh, so, So your heart rate is getting elevated and you're taking much shorter rests or no rest period at all to keep your heart rate in that elevated uh, state. The same as if you were going for uh, a jog or on the elliptical and got your heart rate up that way. Right, And then you don't have to worry about, you know, potentially losing muscle mass due to running too much. Right. Because yep. everybody's scared of losing their gains. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, ben thinks that I'm a fool because I use a notebook and pens and pencils. Uh, ben likes to use his phone for tracking and logging different things. Because Ben is a sane and... human being. <laughs> and like you have to um, take a notepad with you to the gym and a pencil with you to the gym. And then you'd have to take it. And yes, we all don't have the luxury of owning our own gym and our own house. Like, shut up. But there, <laughs> you do exactly what I was going to say. For those of us who go to gyms, you know, we would have to bring a notepad and a pencil and get it out every time in between the sets to write down what we were doing. And like, no, thank you. You know, I'm not that interested in doing that. That, that seems awful. Uh, meanwhile, I have I have music playing on my phone. And so I already have it there and it can be in my pocket or I can set it down right before I'm going to do the exercise. And then I pick it up anyway. So it's convenient. You're, you're completely correct. I think for, for 
I have talked in previous episodes how important I think logging workouts is for motivation, for uh, kind of getting keeping yourself motivated and excited about working out. So yeah, I completely agree. I walk in my basement and that's where I work out. So carrying my notebook there or just leaving it there for my previous workout, super easy. If you're going to a gym and you already have your phone because you're playing music or, you know, because you just have your phone because that's pretty normal. Definitely. It, it is great for logging your workouts. So if you're going to a gym, it is great for logging your workouts. If you're going to a Pam, it is really bad. If you're going to a yeah, Pam? Pam? Oh, office reference. Right. Okay. Chris likes to Love log it. his workouts. I like to hog my workouts. In fact, I like to hog right out my workouts. And for those of you who don't know, Town Hall 15 just dropped. So shout out to Supercell. The Office reference, Clash of Clans reference. We are, we are getting them all in here at the in the closing of the episode. Log your workouts whatever way you see fit. If you want to change up your training, uh, try out some of the different modalities that we talked about in the episode. And until next time, this has been the Petrocore Project. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, and join us again next time. <laughs>